I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from downtown Los Angeles. You know, a couple years ago, L.A. didn't have any football teams. Now they got two. Combined record, 20 and 4. Do you like apples, America? Sorry. 
Sorry. Yes, we had to use a Bostonian line in order to create kind of our own image there. Uh, Pretty fired up. Pretty fired up because uh, my uh, lightning bolts found a way to do something they don't usually do, which is win a game that um, feels like they shouldn't win. Right? Doesn't. What an incredible comeback last night in Pittsburgh. What it means. Plus, uh, the the future. Not not for Kareem Hunt. I mean, I, I guess that's to be determined. He did own the video and owned what he that he lied to the Kansas City Chiefs. But maybe more importantly, honestly, is the future of the Kansas City Chiefs this season. The the video dropped on Friday. We all thought he'd be sat down, and we all thought he'd be done at least for the year. And the Chiefs one-upped it and then decided to get rid of him later on that evening. Life comes at you fast, as they say. Um. Let me just, I'm going to get into the Aaron Rodgers thing in a second. I need to make sure, make sure that you understand something. There are people in the media that are spreading half-truths or flat-out lies because they want a story to read in an anti-NFL way. Here's what I hear. Well, the NFL did not even speak to the alleged victim. I've heard this in the Urban Meyer um, situation with his former assistant and the former assistant's ex-wife. You have to consider the alternative here. If Urban Meyer speaks to an alleged domestic violence victim, even if they, even if he says you need to go and press charges, press charge, even if he says and does everything by the book, and has somebody else sit in that room and 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 listens. And listens to their tale and says, hey, listen, if you want to press charges, go forward and press charge. Even if they do everything the right way, that alleged victim can take it as coercion. Trying to coerce uh, the alleged victim into not going to police. Or even if they don't take it as in that at that moment, it can be perceived that way. Well, Urban Meyer went and sat down with her. You know, he tried to talk her out of it. The same can be true with the NFL. The NFL didn't do their due diligence and sit down with the alleged victim or they got a police report that had body cam footage, which had a he said, she said the police chose to not pursue and couldn't get a hold of the video. It's not necessarily the NFL's job if the hotel says, hey, listen, we can't give out that sort of information. So I want to make very, very sure that there are people that will be on Fox Sports Radio and other radio stations like, let's see, the NFL, they don't want to they don't want to find the truth. Sometimes the truth is harder to find than you think. And you can't necessarily sit down with alleged victim because it can look like you're coercing that victim into not pressing charges. All right, let's get to actual football. The Green Bay Packers lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. This, to me, was stunning because, well, I called the Cardinals-Chargers game the week before. And after going up 10-0, there could not have been a better definition of boat race than we saw last Sunday in Carson, California. They scored 45 consecutive points. The only downer, the only bummer was they ran a little reverse to Melvin Gordon, who got leg whipped by uh, by Kimdichie, Robert Kimdichie. Outside of that, it was a complete throttling. And honestly, the Cardinals decided to just 
waved the white flag in the second half. They threw the ball four times, rushed the ball like five times. They 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 tucked, and it was embarrassing how they tried to get Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice's single-team passing record by throwing him a ball in the flats like a screen pass on the last possession of the game. They got down and 35-10, and they quit. So I thought, no chance they go into Green Bay, who, as Aaron Rodgers said, they just had to pile up five consecutive wins, get a little help, and get to the playoffs. But they did. But they did. And Mike McCarthy apparently walked off the field only to be fired. Here's Mark Murphy, the president of the Green Bay Packers, used to be the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, on why he decided to fire Mike McCarthy. You know, in evaluating the season, I I really felt that change was needed and kind of Mike's tenure had run its course. I think we we needed a a new voice and, um, you know, it happens in our league. What we've seen this year, I think everybody associated with the organization is disappointed season we have, uh, but particularly the performance last night, uh, in my mind, was unacceptable. Knowing that we're going to make the change, in my mind, it's best for the organization to, to make the change now rather than waiting uh, to the offseason. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. You know, um, look, here's the deal about Aaron Rodgers. When I'm on Colin, Colin makes me and Aaron Rodgers out to be boys. We've hung out once. We've texted back and forth before. We haven't currently, we don't currently text. Yeah, I haven't texted him, texted back and forth with him in at least six months. I can tell you this about uh, the, the few conversations we've had, which is, and everyone I know who knows him says this, he's just a black or white guy. You're either in, you're on Team Aaron or you're off Team Aaron. Like, you, you know why he doesn't, there's, there's reasons why he doesn't get along with family members. But the big thing is, what you need to take away is that there is no gray area. Right. You're either on Team Aaron or you're off Team Aaron. That's his personality. Well, your personality becomes that as a player. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was quitting on the Packers or on Mike McCarthy, but I do think that he was off that Team Mike wasn't on Team Aaron. Your personality becomes who you are as a player. It just is. You can't because you can't fake that around real men around NFL guys. You can't. Like Baker Mayfield who had a horrible game, you know, he just, he had a terrible game. Like, look, Baker Mayfield's machismo, little man syndrome that's totally worked for him, that's how he plays. He can't help himself. And John Dorsey's saying he's like Brett Favre. He is, only he's not as big and not as talented. But don't tell that to Baker Mayfield because he tries to prove it to you. If you look at all of these guys, their personality becomes who they are as a player. Cam Newton, you saw him. He wants to be bigger. Remember, he said, I want to be bigger than just an NFL player. I want to be somebody people look up to. He dresses the part. He wants to be Joe Cool. But he is never accountable for his own flaws and misgivings and mistakes. That's not who he is. He's just kind of a Teflon guy. His personality is who he is as a player. And Aaron Rodgers' personality, which is brilliant, but can also come across as arrogant, and he, his relationships with people are black and white. You're either in or you're out, and there's nothing in between. That's how he is as a player. And you can tell when he's not in on his coaches or not in on a player on his team or not in on even on a play that's sent into him. 
All right, last thing before we get to Trent Dilfer is going to join us. The SEC championship game was the most incredible ending in the 21st century in sports. Not because Alabama didn't have talent, even though they were being badly outplayed, but because we have reached this point, and you're going to see, and we'll get to later on the show, all of the college football players who are choosing to forego their final bowl game to prepare for the NFL. We've also seen so many college football players decide to forego the bowl game because they want to transfer to a new school. And we've seen Kelly Bryant, who gets beat out and benched at Clemson, decide to use the new transfer rule or the new redshirt rule to their benefit. We have gotten to this embarrassing place where we bend so far over backwards to help out players. Like We've gone from pro school to ridiculously pro player ridiculously like it's a joke the idea that guys don't have to sit out is stupid it's lame and the rules actually benefit people who transfer once early in their career to transfer a second time but we don't need to get into the nuance of that Jalen Hurts was the starting quarterback at Alabama I never thought he was a particularly good thrower I thought he was a good competitor and he made up for his lack of throwing skills with an unbelievable competitive instinct and drive to win and won them an SEC championship in his freshman year and got them all the way to the college football national championship last year. He was benched at halftime. And Tua came in and wins the national championship on an unbelievable throw. This year, there was all this talk about would Jalen Hurts uh, transfer. He decides to not transfer, to sit and wait and play mop-up man to Tua in the second half and in the fourth quarter because there were so many blowouts. He didn't redshirt. He didn't transfer. He sat there, and I'm sure he was pissed off the entire time. You know why? Because that's what a competitor does. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that guy. God, I wish I had a chance to show you I'm better than that guy. And lo and behold, in the SEC championship game, down two touchdowns in at least a neutral environment, Right? Bama fans show up, but it's in Atlanta, an hour from Athens, a little bit closer than it is to Tuscaloosa. You'll give me at least neutral environment. But it felt like the world was coming in. Oh, here comes Jalen Hurts. And he led him to a victory. The, The kid who did what everybody else won't do, which is stay, sit, be the good teammate, wear the ball cap, throwing the signals, helped the starter get better. But look, this is, I couldn't do it. I'm not going to lie to you. If I was benched and I had eligibility, I had two years of eligibility, bro, I'm out. If that guy's a freshman, I'm out. I'm out. But he didn't. He did two things that we tell people to do and they never do. Right? What are the things you're told to do that you never do? Oh, you're told, listen, make sure you read the fine print. Make sure you read the fine print. How many times have you clicked on an up Apple update and never read any sort of fine print? That Apple update could say Apple is entitled to 50% of your career earnings, and none of us would have any idea unless somebody said it on the nightly news. And honestly, you don't even watch the news anymore. Right? You're told to read the fine print. Do you do it? No. 
You're told to not to eat healthy. You want to live a lot, last a long time. How many times you got to fast food this weekend? In college sports, you're told to stay the course. Stay the course. Buy in. Be a good teammate. Your time is coming. No one does it. And you're also told to always be ready. Always be ready. You're one play away from playing. How many people do it? He did both. He did both, and he saved his team's season. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Being a conference champion is a really cool thing. You know, and you have to... And I think most people listen to us in the South, Midwest, they realize it more than people listen to the East and the West because these things do matter. Like bragging rights do matter. Hey, we're conference champions. That matters. But the idea that it doesn't mean anything, it's not true. It's not true. It eliminated Georgia where I actually think Georgia, you know, had they won, obviously they would have played. And there, there's an argument they, they they finished fifth in the final rankings and Boy, that, that, if not for the two next to their name with the losses, they get in just based upon watching them. But people weren't actually rooting for, I don't believe, they were rooting for meaningful games. So those games did mean something. If Oklahoma didn't win, they weren't going. If Ohio State didn't win, they had no chance. If Alabama didn't win, it would have been chaos. And that's what they're rooting for. We like chaos. That's what we like. Or we like the idea we think we want chaos. Look, it's the reason that we we had the election that we had a couple of years ago. Like, you know, we've done it this way for a long time. Why not try something different? And some people like something different. Some people are like, wow, this is not really what I thought. Like, hey, dude, you thought you were going to get something different. Well, it's different. That's a stupid question. Have you ever heard a president say that before? No, it's different. It is different is a word. So what happens is we use these coded messaging and the code is, boy, let me tell you, let me explain something to you. Um, Those games didn't mean anything. I wish it would have been more meaningful. No, you wish there would have been chaos. You're wishing for chaos. When in truth, the teams you thought were better coming in ended up winning anyway. Right? You thought Oklahoma was better than Texas. They had to prove it. They beat Texas. You thought Ohio State was probably the most talented team in the Big Ten, and they end up winning the Big Ten. You thought Alabama was a little bit better than within Georgia. It was a weird path to get there, but you end up getting it. You thought Clemson was far and away the best team in the ACC, and you got it. Yeah, yeah all those thoughts were confirmed, but that, that didn't make it meaningless. It was incredibly meaningful. I just think people were rooting for chaos. You just want, I just want chaos. I just, I just want nothing to make sense. You know, that, that's what you want. I, I, I just want chaos. Why? Because you think you want chaos will bring a truer college football playoff. That's, that's the truth here. That we used to not get a BCS championship game. We got that. Then we were like, well, we want a plus one. We got that. Now you're like, man, we want six or eight. You're not going to get that for like, I don't know, it's five more years of this current contract. It's not changing, not tearing up a contract for it. And there's a myriad of reasons. I think there's too many games if you add in another game. Um, 
I, I just do. Additionally, the company that owns the rights to the college football playoff also owns a good amount of the bowls. And if you expand the college football playoff, guess what happens with those bowls? They become even less important. It might happen anyway because you have so many star players choosing to opt out of playing in these bowl games to prepare themselves for future endeavors. But let's just be honest. You don't want more meaningful games. There are no more meaningful. Those are incredible. You're playing for a conference championship, and the teams that were, I think all the favorites won, right? The point is not that I'm a genius picker. Well, that's part of the point. That was that was really the that was what we wrote down for the segment. It's that anybody who says, "Well, I I wanted meaningful games and we just didn't get them. We almost had." Dude, the Big Twelve game was awesome. Oh, Texas didn't cover the spread. That's my bad. Sorry, I missed that one. We we wanted, and how about the one handed catch for Oklahoma? And OU gets a couple of stops late. Look, I've said this before. I've gone on uh, Oklahoma City radio stations and said it. I've said it on Twitter. Even OU people are like, look, Georgia's a better football team than we are. We just have one less loss. And we got Kyler Murray. Right? You know? I mean, it's like, oh, let's let's expand the playoff. Y- you want to see Washington play one of these teams? You want to see you want to see Washington play a couple of these teams? We saw Washington lose to Auburn to start the season. Granted, Washington we think is a little bit better than they were when they played Auburn, but we saw them lose to Auburn this year. Do you want to see Washington go get their heads kicked in? And and this the Central Florida thing with Mackenzie Mil- Milton, they probably get their heads kicked in. Without, come on, dude, what are we doing? I mean. Look, am I bummed out that Georgia doesn't get to play anymore? Sure. But Georgia lost two games. At some point, you win, you keep playing, you lose, you go home. Georgia had that opportunity. They had a two-touchdown lead and a field goal to put them up 17. They missed the field goal to give away the two-touchdown lead. They fake a punt for what in a tie game at midfield when the other team was in punt safe. Sorry you deserve to lose. You deserve to lose. Deserve it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. This was Odell Beckham Jr. Earlier today, excuse me, um, earlier today on his onside kick coverage. I could dive in there and still not get the ball. So, you know, it it was a very tough call. Nobody should ever question my effort or my heart. That's the last thing you could do. You can question me as a person, as a man, whatever you want to do. But my heart and my effort can never be questioned ever. Uh, Why not? Why? You can question me as a man. That is question you as a man. There's an onside kick between the Bears and the Giants. Odell Beckham Jr. is on the hands team. There's a line of guys in front of him. They're only they're not supposed to touch football. They're supposed to block. And Odell Beckham Jr. chose he made the uh, business decision. Hey, dude, you made the business decision to sign the big contract. You got guaranteed money coming in. And you wussed out on that? That is heart. That is toughness. That is your desire to help the team win. I am so done with anybody protecting Odell Beckham Jr. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. And it shows that OBJ wants to catch balls in warm-ups more than he wants to catch an onside kick to win a game. Recover the ball, the game is over. You chose not to do it. We ripped Cam for the same thing, and that was in a Super Bowl. This ain't a Super Bowl. It's a meaningless game to some, but, but not to the Giants and the guys in that locker room. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. 
And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Let's catch up with Danny Cannell, noted SEC hater. I'm sorry, SEC realist. Of course, former Florida State quarterback, longtime college football analyst, now CBS Sports. He joins us in DK. Did they get it right? Did they get the four best teams? Yes, I think they did, Doug. I do. I like it. I was really nervous with the committee. I thought there was a chance that they would have this recency bias. I mean, there was really, really a strong push for Georgia. And it was a late push, and nobody saw Georgia you know, going up and really looking that good in a half versus Bama. But the thing that was driving me nuts is that that's exactly what it was. It was one half of really good play against Bama, and that shouldn't be the barometer of how a team gets in. So ultimately, I think for the system that we have, which I think is flawed, I think it's messed up, I don't like it, but for the system that we have, I think they got the four combination of best, most deserving teams, because I, I do think that matters. I do think you have to earn your way into the playoffs. Okay, that's fair. That's a, it's, a, it's a fair point, because I was going to ask you, you know, do you actually think that Oklahoma, for example, is better than Georgia? No, not if they, if they played head up. But here's yeah. the thing, and this is, where, this is where it drives me nuts and where I think I have no problem admitting I am wrong all the time on who I think is going to win and who, you know, who the better team is. Like, for instance, a few weeks ago, Ohio State played Michigan. Almost everybody picked Michigan to beat Ohio State. Vegas had Michigan as a five-point favorite. We all thought Michigan was the better team, but that's why you play it out in the field. So at some point, you've got to leave it up to, all right, who has done it out there? And I do think we really forgot about Georgia, how bad they looked against LSU when they got beat by 20 in Baton Rouge. Like, they didn't look like a top-four team that day. And it has to be your entirety of the season. It's got to be who is the best, most deserving team over the course of a season, not just on Championship Saturday. And I think that was what was scaring me. And I think that's why Georgia was at five and Ohio State really wasn't in the conversation because that recency bias, they just saw Oklahoma looked really good defensively against Texas. You know, they got the win. You saw Georgia playing really close with Alabama. And then you Ohio State kind of, eh, like against Northwestern, they won, but it wasn't super impressive. And I think that's why they dropped. And I have no problem with that because they haven't been impressive all year. Yeah. But it's just it just terrifies me how close we were to having Georgia in there as two losses and having lost the championship game. Ohio, but thankfully, I think thankfully they got it right. Ohio State, one of the least impressive, successful seasons in college football history, right? Like they <laughs> yes. lost one game. They all lost only one game. They won their non-conference games. They they beat Michigan. They won the Big Ten title. They're going to go to a Rose Bowl, and no one feel no one seems to feel good about Ohio State season. Crazy thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I think you do, Doug. You have to analyze how they played their games, even in their no, wins. Like, no, let's, let's no, question. no question, no yeah, question. In Maryland, they should have lost. I mean, that game, the, you know, the uh, kid misses a two point conversion. Nebraska. They played them. You know, Nebraska's not a very good team this year. Took them in the fourth quarter. They only won by five. Like, there's a litany of issues sure. that Ohio State has had, which I do think is important. Like, I, you know, for all the people that say if you go to eight, it'll devalue the regular season, I don't agree with that. But I think you see the importance of the regular season and how you look in the regular season is a big reason why Ohio State did not get the invite to the Final Four. Uh, check out... On, off the bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell, CBS Sports HQ, 10 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday. Danny Cannell spending some time with us here day after the college football playoff pairings are announced here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, 
it, it, here's how I know it was a weird year. If you if you told somebody who's been uh, comatose for five years and you're like Notre Dame's undefeated, they beat Florida State, they beat Virginia Tech on the road, they beat USC on the road, they beat Stanford at home, they beat Michigan, they're undefeated, yeah. and people don't think they're a top four team. You'd be like that makes no sense at all. But that's 2018, right? Yes, exactly. It has been a really weird year, and it has you've had seen some crazy things unfold. My issue with Notre Dame is not, you know, they're undefeated. I don't really have a major problem with them being in there. But if I was voting, if I was on that committee and was casting a vote, conference championships would matter to me. So I would have a real hard time. Like I think, and then then you go back to the eye test. And I think Ohio State could beat Notre Dame. I think Oklahoma could beat Notre Dame, and I think Georgia could beat Notre Dame. Now that being said, they did run the table. They did have an undefeated season, and that should matter somewhat too. But I wish the committee would have sent a message to Notre Dame saying, you know what, you think you're special, but you're really not that special. You do need to join a Power Five conference. And selfishly, as an ACC guy, I think that would have forced them to join the ACC because the only of, thing they did now— in the, they're in the ACC. I mean, well, they, I agree. They're, they're a pseudo-ACC, but they get off the hook because they dodge Clemson because that should have been a great matchup. Like, imagine, like the ACC really had a bad year this year, and it couldn't have played out much worse for Clemson to play Pitt in their showcase game. Imagine yeah. if that's Clemson Notre Dame and it's a play in game, then all of a sudden it's got a totally different cache. It's, so like, it's also, it's also play out. It's also play out game. One of those teams loses yeah. and they're out. True. Which I'm okay with. I, I think that I don't have any problem with that whatsoever, but I do think the committee enabled Notre Dame somewhat so that they can moving forward. They could say, yep, we're okay. As long as we win. Now that margin for error is slim. If they would have gotten beat anybody on their schedule, they would have been left out, but it's kind of like the big 12 teams used to do like Baylor used to have a notoriously, easy cakewalk non-conference schedule and our browse was like we'll just win them all and if we don't we'll deal with the consequences and we'll see what you know see what's kind of left up there notre dame saying we don't have to join we got in without joining so i think they're taking that risk and this year it paid off for them danny cannell joining us on the doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio um okay so is there recency bias when people say kyler murray's now the favorite to win the heisman trophy uh, I don't think so. I think there will be some recency bias that'll impact the vote greatly. But I actually, you know, I got to give credit to our guy, Matt Miner, who works there with you, uh, FS1 with you and does a fantastic job. He was one of the earliest people on the Kyler Murray as being overlooked train. And I was, you know, soon after him, I actually gave him credit because I was like, let me start paying attention a little bit more. Once you start digging in the numbers and seeing what he has accomplished this year, it's pretty phenomenal. And that shouldn't take away from what Tua has done at Bama or with Dwayne Haskins has done at Ohio State. But Kyler Murray, I think, has been the most exciting, dynamic, most impactful player to his team more than anybody in the country. And that's why I would give him the edge. And it's not just because he outplayed Tua on championship Saturday when he, you know, threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. But if you watch them play week in and week out, how many times he had to deliver for his team when they were down trailing in the third and fourth quarter in second half of playoff elimination games, playoff games like West Virginia on the road in Morgantown. And he delivered every single time, even in their loss to Texas when they were down 28, he was the reason they came back, came storming back in that game. So I'd still look at him and say, all right, that was a phenomenal game, but he had a huge impact on it. He had 300 yards passing, four touchdowns and interception in their loss. And you look at Tua on the national stage, everybody's watching, and I know he got banged up, but even before he hurt his ankle, just did not have the best performance. I do think this race was close enough 
that it would come down to that last weekend. Now, what concerns me, Doug, is that there were 10% of the Heisman voters submitted their vote before the championship Saturday, which to me, if that's the case, you should lose your vote as a Heisman voter if you can't even watch the championship game. That concerns me for Kyler. I think Tua might have a better chance because I'm assuming those 10% mostly voted for Tua. But, man, you talk about finishing with a flourish. Kyler Murray could not have looked any better in that championship game. I agree with you. I actually think they shouldn't vote until after the bowl games. Yeah, I'm like, down like, with right. That. Like I we're trying. Think- if if the if the award is to the best college football player in America, why not wait till all the college football games? Wait for it. I've actually been played. Yep, I agree. And that, but it is one of those things where you don't want it to become. And I, I'm making sure we don't do that with the championship game. But I do look at the body of work, and statistically, Kyler's better in every category. Well, and I know he played more because yes. Tua was on the uh, you know in the fourth quarter. But I also. Tua didn't, and I think this is where Bama fans got really mad at me because I said this. Tua didn't have the opportunity. I think his, the dominance of his team hurt his case because he never had that comeback moment and because it looked so easy to him because they have so much more talent than everybody else because they've been so dominant. I think that actually hurt his case a little bit. Yeah, well, could, you couldn't put, you say, hold on, could you say the same, though, about Kyler against the Big 12? Look, I'm a Big 12 proponent. I'm a Big 12 alum. But the defenses suck. They're terrible. They're, I don't they're, think the defenses suck as bad as you make them out to be. They're not good. Well, they're, they're, on I, the fi- they're on the field more. There's more possessions. There's more yards allowed or whatever. But if you're, if you're comparing numbers, when a guy's yes. playing against Big 12 defenses, I think we would agree the talent and the overall tackling ability, athletic ability is better. Granted, maybe the offenses aren't as good in the SEC either, but the defenses are clearly better in the SEC than they are the Big 12. For sure, but that didn't slow down Oklahoma last year against Georgia where they put up over 500 yards of total offense, Like, and they yep. ran for 200 yards on Georgia, which is the best part about the Alabama-Oklahoma game. Like, I cannot wait to see how an SEC defense and probably the best you know, one in the entire conference does against Oklahoma's offense. Now, on the flip side, I do think Oklahoma is better than we think, and I thought they showcased that some in the game against Texas where when they needed stops, they got them. They forced a few turnovers. I do think they can play more physical than we give them credit to, especially if Tua is not healthy. And I think that is going to be a major storyline. If Tua does not come back from this high ankle sprain, which I think is very much in question. I think people are kind of just glossing over that. Yep. I think it could have a major impact because if they're facing Jalen Hurts, who's not the dynamic passer, and it's a great story, love the kid, but he's not the same passer as Tua, I think that all of a sudden makes this game that much more compelling because I think it'll give Oklahoma a better chance to slow them down offensively. Agree, which is why I wouldn't expand the playoff because you can have more injured players and you won't have the best teams represented by the best players. But real quickly, Danny Cannell joining us off the bench with Danny and Rajah Bell every day on CBS Sports HQ, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, uh, the Jalen Hurts story. You, like me, we played in college, and I was a transfer, but I transferred because I got in trouble. But I thought about transferring because things times got tough. I, I didn't like the cold or whatever. And it has gotten just obscene how guys who are backups now, they leave. On the other hand, like, look, if I was a sophomore and I get beat out in the championship game, I get benched by a freshman, and I know he's not going anywhere, I'm out, right? How unlikely is the Jalen Hurts story? It's so awesome. It really is unlikely because you've seen, and I I don't think it should be forgotten, not only was he great yesterday and he won the game and it's a great story, but remember what he did when he got benched at halftime of last year's championship game because every single drive he was waiting for Tua on the sideline. He was offering him advice. 
He was helping him. He was coaching him. He was cheering for him. After the game, he was genuinely happy for his teammate. You don't see that nowadays. Guys sulk. They feel sorry for themselves. They're upset. And I don't think it was one of those fake claps either. I think he genuinely wanted his team to win. And that's why I do think there was some aspect of like the football gods looked over Jalen and said, you know what? We're going to repay you for the attitude that you had. And I think it is a tremendous story of what can happen if you are willing to stick around and stick through it. But I think Jalen had a really good set of, um, you know, a really solid upbringing who had him a really good perspective. And I also think he had a really realistic perspective on what his chances were going to the NFL. And sometimes it's more important to enjoy your college experience. And it's not ripping on anybody who transfers. Everybody has a different decision they have to make. But I think it's awesome that he was rewarded for sticking around. And I think he still could play a big part in this playoff, too. That's Danny Cannell. Check him out on CBS Sports HQ every day. DK, thanks for joining us, buddy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in the greatest tight end of all all time here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's also a former AAU teammate of mine, future Hall of Famer. You can watch him as a on TV as an NFL on Fox analyst. He's the one, he's the only former Chief. Tony Gonzalez joining us. And let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, a t- team you're tied so closely to with that organization. We know what happened, uh, obviously, with, with Kareem Hunt. Like, just, I, I don't necessarily think there's any reason to rehash it. So the Chiefs did what I think anyone would do. Your employee lies to you about something like this, then they got to be gone. But just in football sense, okay, you lose a guy who led the league in rushing last year. You're getting ready for the playoffs. You've lost your last five playoff home games. Or play, you know, what, what now for the Chiefs? Uh, well, it certainly affects them. There's no doubt about it that you, you can't tell me uh, that hey, we're going to next man up because he's a phenomenal talent. Um, and, and they're saying that in the organization. I talk to people over there. They're like, well, we think we can win without him. And, and you got to think that way. So I don't, I don't fault them for that. It's going to hurt, but somebody else, uh, they're not going to be as good as they could have been. Uh, I think you saw that yesterday. They beat the Raiders. And, and don't get me wrong, too. It's not like I, I knew. I, even if they had cream, I don't think they would have went up there and just squashed those guys. Uh, but you can see they were missing him. Uh, Spencer Ware is a capable back. He's actually started over Kareem last year. Uh, but Kareem's toughness. He's a tough, hot-headed guy. That, that's the reason he's acted the way he has. Um, uh, I, I, they missed that, I think, from a leadership standpoint, setting the tone standpoint. They're going to miss that. Uh, can they still go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I still think so. Because Patrick Mahomes, if he's an MVP, uh, he can pick up the slack, hopefully. Uh, they look they looked okay yesterday, but they're, they'll adjust and they'll get. It's just like let's say if he got towards ACL, they'll adjust and they'll get better. But it's hard this late in the season, right? Like this late in the season, you're kind of you are what you are, and Spencer wears a very different back. I just I wonder they got the Charger game coming up in another week, and the Chargers go out and get one in in Pittsburgh, and now they can rest Melvin Gordon to that Thursday night. I just, I do think it makes it, is it fair to say it makes it prohibitively more difficult because you can't keep your defense off the field as long without the running game or without as good a running game. And however good that passing game is, it's made better because of him back there. It's not to say they can't, but it makes it prohibitively more difficult. Yeah, it just makes it difficult. You know, like I said, this picture, if he went down with ACL, they'd be scrambling, saying next man up and all that stuff. It hurts you. I don't care what anybody says. When Gronkowski goes out, it hurts. They don't look as good New England Patriots. When you're a key player on your team, uh, 
it sucks. And, and and this is what they're going through. Spencer Ware is going to have to play. Uh, it's not like he's a bad bag like we talked about before. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, but I think they'll figure it out. Andy Reid is is a genius. I like Andy Reid a lot, and he'll come up with something special. For All him. right, Mike McCarthy's out of a job. Um, what's your immediate reaction when that's done, seemingly right after the game against the Cardinals? I think it poor. Poor timing, poor judgment. I, I I love how they just blame Mike McCarthy for all the problems that's going on there, and I guess you have to because he's the expendable one out of the, that that duo of of him and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think you, you wait until the season's over, especially for what he's done, what he's given to that organization. He's done an outstanding job. I uh, I was surprised. I was surprised. We we all knew he was going to go at the end right. of this year. Aaron is is not happy. Aaron is. It seems like he's blaming it on the play calling and the leadership. When it's like you just don't have players, man. I mean, you, you lose your key guys. Geronimo's not there. Randall Cobb finally got back last yesterday. It's not the same team. Uh, Aaron needs to take some responsibility, and he hasn't done that though. And 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 that's where I say you know you take a thirty three million dollar deal, okay, big contract, then it limits you. You better cross your fingers nobody gets hurt. People got hurt. The next guy's St. Brown and the other guy, I can't even remember them. They're, they're rookies, and they're going to play like rookies. I don't care how good you are, Aaron. You can make them look better. They're dropping balls. because And so you now that's going to hurt your team. That's why I say I don't believe in the best ever. I really don't. And thank you for calling me the best uh, tight end ever. <laughs> but people say Tom Brady's the GOAT. I say, the, the only, I say no. The only reason that I could make an argument for him being the GOAT is because he takes less money. Now, I don't want to make this a big thing about money, but he only makes $20 million this year. Last year, he made $14 million. That is nothing compared to what Tom Tom Brady has left over $100 million on the table because he wants to win that bat. These other quarterbacks in the league, after your first bite at the apple, that second bite should not be a full bite. I think that's something you say, give him a little money back so you can be competitive if you truly want to win. Aaron didn't do that. Uh, Not a knock against him. It's his choice, but... I don't think. Um, Okay, so here's the question. It did, on some levels, feel like he wanted to get McCarthy fired, right? Like, there were some throws there where you're like, dude, that's almost... Oh, come on, man. He's not throwing the game. Don't say that. I don't necessarily think throwing the game, but just there's some some reactions, some throws to where you almost look at his body language and you're like, see, I told you that play wouldn't work. That one sucks. See? Right? Like... (laughs) There was people in... We're watching... I'm working on something with the the guys... Uh, there's people saying that back backstage, uh, saying, "Hey, look at it. It seems like he almost wants him to get fired. He's not. He's not caring." Is what, like you said. And I hope you're saying. Are you saying that that I just, when he'd screw up, he'd be like, "All right, who cares?" No, look. I, I think some of it is we don't really watch these quarter. Like most people watch games in red zone. Most people watch in highlights. They don't watch every throw every guy makes. Joe Montana, every throw he didn't make was great. Tom Brady. So there's some guy picked apart his throwing. You know, two three weeks ago, and we're like, look at how many bad throws he made. Like, look, there's a percentage of. No matter how deadly accurate a guy is, he's going to throw it. But there's a couple where you're like, man, it sure, feel like, sure felt like he he gave up on that play really quickly. Okay, maybe he's not trying. And you know what? Okay, maybe you got a point. I'm trying to, I always try to bring it back to when I played, um, when I got moody during games, especially when I was younger. What I, what I start to be like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even going to try for that one. Or like, hey, we're in the middle of a losing season. doesn't matter anyway. And that affects your play. I don't care what anybody says. That affects your play. Uh, and that's why I think when you get to the playoffs, people play even better because they're so such heightened focus. Uh, maybe I could buy that one, but Aaron Aaron is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yes, uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. If he's under a lot of pressure now, I think he got what he wanted, 
now all eyes are on you. So who do you who do you go pressure on? Who do you go get? Because here's the here's the thing. At least in basketball, as you know, in bat like in the NBA, in order to win a championship, you got to have as a coach. You kind of had to already win a championship, right? Like to win the locker room, you have to have had that that credibility, that pedigree, that stamp. He's won a championship. And maybe you can do it as a player and that helps you as a coach, but there has to be a a buy-in and kind of respect. Whereas like this idea of getting like some young play caller, some whippersnapper is going to come in and start diagramming things in the dirt and Aaron's going to buy in. You almost feel like Josh McDaniels is their only hope because he's been a head coach. He's been a part of championship teams. And and he also has that kind of creative play calling mentality that would challenge Aaron. I can't I can't think of anybody else who brings in kind of that credibility. Well, you, you heard about guys coming from from colleges that open it up. Texas Tech, I think. Courtney, he might even be at USC or something. Like. Yeah, Cliff uh, Kingsbury. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, Could Tedford do it? No, I don't. Here's what Aaron. I think Aaron. Here, here's the thing with Aaron. And this is what I don't. You guys are both Hollywood. He lives in Hollywood in the offseason. You're Hollywood, yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think I don't think he understands what. And I don't know. I'm putting this is my thought process here. He's sitting back. He's saying, "I see Matt Nagy kicking butt for Trubisky, and Trubisky is he's not where he I think he is going to be. I don't think he's that good at at this point. He's okay. He's he's doing a sufficient job. He's looking at at golf, McVeigh. He's looking at Andy Reid, seeing what Patrick Mahomes is doing. He's like, I want some of that, and I can't. We're not doing that here. But he doesn't have the players to do that, and I hope he understands that uh, because he said it. He came out and said it in the media that we're not being like pretty much said we're not being creative. And he's uh, he's never bashed Mike McCarthy, but he's also certainly never backed him. Right. And and I think that's why he's gone. So Aaron, he needs a, a coach like Josh McDaniels. If he doesn't get Josh McDaniels, that's what I'm saying. It's going to get harder because I don't think Josh McDaniels is going there. I don't think so. So. Uh, Aaron, you got what you want. Now let's see if the grass is greener on the other side. All right, let's talk about the Chargers. Um, I, I've I've been a buyer all year. Now look, Badgley missing that first one. He barely missed it in the offsides call. I don't know if he knew they were offsides, but he did miss it. And it would have gone to overtime. Still, coming from behind, doing without Melvin Gordon. Keenan Allen, they, they created great mismatches for him on linebackers. And um, I, I, 33 on defense. Derwin James is a stud. They got a good pass rush. But, you know, trying to get people to believe in a team that never seems to do anything in the playoffs. A little bit like the Chiefs, yeah. right? Um, what's your level of belief in the Chargers after seeing what they were able to do last night? I, I, I love them. Going into the game, uh, I, I picked the Chargers. I like it because I like Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, and I know people say, well, putting up just numbers, numbers, numbers. Uh, Matthew Stafford has big numbers. Matthew Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's never had a really good defense. He's You look at Eli and Ben, who they all came in together. He'll forever be tied with those groups. Ben has got two Super Bowls. Eli's got two Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger has had a top 10 defense 11 times in his career. Wow. Eli Manning has had a top uh, 10 defense, I think it's five or six times. And he's played with Hall of Famers, Michael Irvin, uh, Justin Tuck. Remember that year, that Ferrari defense getting after the quarterback? They won a Super Bowl that year. Uh, Phillip Rivers, who has he had? Who has he had to really say, hang his Lidane, hat on? Lidane and Tomlinson. I'm talking, no, I'm talking defense? defense now. And you got to win. You, I don't care how good you are at quarterback. And I say the same thing about Drew Brees. Yeah. He's never had that defense like Tom Brady. or or And Peyton had it a couple of years with Dwight Freeney and Mathis, and they won some Super Bowls. Look at the Peyton Manning won one with the, with the uh, Denver Broncos. So what's going to carry this team isn't, 
I, I love Philip and all them. They're gonna he's gonna do what he's always been doing, just like Drew Brees. What's gonna win them a championship is a defense. They got Joey Bosa, they got Ingram, they got the rookie. They have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs this year. I think they're gonna be pretty good. I I, I agree with you. Um, last thing is the Seattle Seahawks, who we all left them for dead, right? Because the LOB was dead, and they. You know, a couple guys retired. Richard Sherman's in San Francisco, and we're like, "Oh, well, they're they're rebuilding. Their offensive line's bad." And here they are at seven and five. Could have beat the Rams at home. Um, and look, do I think they win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl? No, but they have this strange quality where it seems like every game they've ever had, Rams both times, um, all these big games, even the ones they've lost. Richard, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson has the ball in his hands, driving down the field, trying to scramble and make a play. I just, I don't know, I don't know how they do it, but it's an incredibly competitive organization that even if you don't like, love Russell Wilson, and, you know, I know a lot of NFL guys don't, you got to respect how they just find a way to win games. Yeah, you love it. And, and I think I'm of that mold. Russell Wilson is a, is a, is a very, very elusive, evasive, uh, just efficient guy when he has to be. I think in the first half yesterday, he's, he's only got four pass attempts, and he completed, uh, I think, four of them. Three of them went for touchdowns. I mean, th- this is a running football team that plays really good defense. Pete Carroll, I've always thought he's the second-best coach in the NFL next to Belichick uh, because of what he's able to do year in and year out. He always gets it together. They're so smart. That's what makes teams good is, is smarts. And usually right around this time of year is when they start figuring out Certainly for the uh, New England Patriots, they always figure out right around December going into the playoffs. They're a good team. Nobody's going to want to play them. I'll tell you that right now. If you, they get to the playoffs, the Rams aren't going to want to play them. Uh, any of the, the the Saints aren't going to want to play them. I, I just – they are, are a good football uh, team. I, I said that was the last one I lied. Are the Cowboys fixed? Fixed. Like, are they fixed? Have they fixed themselves? They figured. What do you figured, mean, like a dog? Like they can't no, have but, babies anymore? No, like, are they fixed? If they like, you go. They've won four in a row now. Uh-huh. They feel like, all right, we needed a wide receiver to get everybody else in place. Um, they they're playing more to their defense to their yeah. strength. You know, they they kind of figured out who they are. Yeah. Are they fixed? Not not fixed. They can't have babies fixed. <laughs> Emotionally, physically, spiritually. <laughs> no, I I think. Uh, I th- yeah, hats off to Jerry Jones. He got he was, a lot of heat. I gave him some heat, we, we, and he should have. He deserved the heat. Troy Aikman was giving him heat. You know, it seemed like right when they got to that that intervention, you know, you're walking up to the rehab center, they figured it out. Uh, and they went out and got Amari Cooper, and it's changed things for Dak. And and I say, you know what, Dak is, is the wild card to me. Can he make a play in a playoff game? Uh, they got the running game. They got the defense. Are they going to call? This is something. I know you watch these games. Right. They're, the the referees are changing for whatever reason. The preseason, yes. beginning of the season to now, yes. they aren't calling hits. Head to helmet. I saw one of those this hits what, in that Dallas game. I was like, oh, my. He should be kicked out of the game. I mean, Pitt, last night, Pittsburgh, with, with the exception of there was one penalty, a uh, helmet-to-helmet penalty on the, on the Chargers late. But outside of that, like the physicality at the wide receivers. But this is what they always do. This is what they do in the NBA, right? They call... They call everything super tight, start of the year, hey, this is what we're doing, and then they get to the playoffs, they don't call anything. Well, and that's kind of hap- what's happening here in the NFL. That's what's happening I, across the league, and that's why I say, okay, you know what, then maybe Dallas uh, has a chance now. Maybe they have a dead defense. Because it becomes physical, much more physical, got to run the football game. Run the ball, and one thing about you, say whatever you want about Dak, but he don't turn the ball over. You don't turn the ball over, you play great defense, you can run the football with one of the best running backs in the league, best pu- the best pure running back in the league, just running the ball, forget mm-hmm. about catching the ball. Ezekiel Elliott is that guy. 
Uh, now you got Amari Cooper to be able to take some stuff deep. Yeah, they got it. They're a good football team, and I would count them in. But Dak's gonna. It seems like if you look at the Super Bowl last year, he's gonna have to throw for over three hundred yards eventually, and he can't do that. Yeah. And so that's why I don't buy them completely. All right, he still has not relented to my desires to induct him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But outside of that, uh, he's been a good man in joining us. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 